Welcome back to the Sim Geeks Podcast. This is our second episode. Uh, we are your hosts, William Belk and David Schablock. Uh, Good Dave, morning. We're, uh, what have you been up to lately, man? Oh, I have been busy. Uh, for those that uh, follow some different stuff, I've got some YouTube videos going up, just uh, throwing out some information, and there's going to be a lot more. Um, and we're, we've been trying to get this podcast together and that's been, you know, a learning process and get that going. Uh, and then the biggest thing we've got coming up is IMSH. So, and then I closed out a big old contract of suture pads. I made like 500 suture pads in 45 days. That was busy on top of, you know, the full-time job and the part-time job and all that. Right on, man. Well, I, uh, so it's been a, a lot of travel in my world, right? I'm finally sitting at home again for the first week in a while did uh the amtc sim cup was down there working with that team uh early november and man that's so awesome just working with those guys ton of people heavy into simulation heavy in the hems the hems world uh, they all know what the hell they're doing it's just a great team to work with i uh, after I'm just that, saying i'm just saying next year it's drivable for me that's and, right and- only a few hours down the road uh, you know, and then after that, spent a uh, spent a half a week in Cleveland running some simulation, full motion flight simulator out there. Again, just really cool experience. Get to play with that little helicopter. Uh, you know, it's it's just different than what we normally do, where we have these static mannequins that we're running, and they don't really move around a whole lot. We run the simulation around them, and then out there, you actually in the aircraft, in the ambulance. Uh, different experience altogether. Well, I mean, we we've been talking now. It's you know. Listeners aren't going to know this, but we're looking at four or five months since we recorded that intro podcast, and then I had a baby, and then we got busy with work, and then next thing you know, it's you know just time just kind of slipped right past us, uh, and so now that we're we're getting back into it, we're pulling pulling together, trying to make sure we're getting all of our information out. We wanted to jump in, and you know one of the things you wanted to talk about was high fidelity simulation and the buzzword that that, that that's become. Uh, so <laughs> I'll let you lead out with your definition you pulled, and then we'll we'll kind of jump into the conversation. So basically, you know, simulation as a whole just means so vastly different. A a simulation means something completely different to so many different people. And so um, I I go off on the the Facebook groups, and there's some really awesome Facebook groups that uh, if you're not in, you really should be in. And uh, I try to, you know, delve in there as much as I can. And it's funny because people will ask questions, and they're, they're simple, and they're great, and they're awesome questions. But I'm looking at it from the perspective of emergency medicine, and whereas most people are looking at it from like, um, uh, you know, nursing or something like that. So where when you talk about, uh, you know, well, I need to be able to do a trach on a patient, and you're talking, you know, not you personally, but maybe a nursing program talking about maintenance. I'm talking about actually going through placing, and I'm thinking about the blood and the guts. So we just want to talk about, you know, what is high fidelity simulation? Official definition. The WH Sim Dictionary is in healthcare simulation. High fidelity simulation refers to simulation experiences that are extremely realistic and provide a high level of interactivity and realism for the learner. This can apply to any mode or method of for simulation. For example, mannequin, human, task trainer, or virtual reality. And and I love the crux of this definition. It really tries to hit all the points. So your comments. You know, when I first started working in simulation, I would have bought into the whole bandwagon idea that, that high fidelity is tied directly to how much you spent on the machine. Um, you know, fidelity simulators with physiological mm-hmm. modeling or the ability to cut on them and they talk and they breathe and they move. You know, all that stuff is, is great, but the reality is it's, it's all about what we're trying to accomplish. And at some, you know, sometimes the high fidelity is as simple as a conversation. And I can't do that with a thousand, mm-hmm. you know, a $100,000 mannequin. It, it's got to be mm-hmm. done with an actual standardized patient. Uh, and so for me anymore, high fidelity is more about 
the experience and the planning that goes into the scenario and making it as realistic as possible, whether that's with a standardized patient, whether that's with a mannequin, even a task trainer can be high fidelity uh, as long as what you're trying to carry out is matched pretty closely to what it'd be in, in the real world. Um, you know, and, and it's a big marketing thing. I know that high fidelity word has kind of become an issue, like you mentioned earlier, and that we, we talk about it. That's right. When we talk about high fidelity simulators, right, we automatically assume that that's, that's the expensive, that's the CAE HPS mm. machine, right? Laird um, all, I, you know, on all the other brands. It, exactly. But every one of them, they've all got this, their high fidelity model, they have their low fidelity and then their mid fidelity models. Um, and so when you're going through talking about the equipment, yeah, it makes it easy to market when you say this is a high fidelity, low fidelity, mid fidelity, but we can accomplish the same goals a lot of times using a live actor um, or even a task trainer. Let me let me question this. So we we all understand we we in the industry understand what that actually means. But um, so when people get upset with it or whatever, are are we maybe you just overthinking it? Yeah, we since we all know what we mean. Well, I mean, and I say that, but, you know, it's different perspectives and, and all that stuff. But, you know, some some of it is, are we just overthinking it? No, oh, absolutely. Right. So, like I said, it's a marketing term. We use it for marketing more than anything else. Uh, but but ultimately, high fidelity is what we make in the simulation. And in fact, I very rarely use those terms when I when we're actually setting up a case or we're running through and we're trying to organize everything. You know, very rarely do we call it a high or low fidelity case or a high or low fidelity machine. It, it really is when you're going out to buy something that you see those words more so than than in the actual field. Or when we're explaining it to complete strangers. Yeah. But one thing, one thing that you said really resonated with me is uh, when you said the experience and that you know how certain things you know you'll hear somebody say and it just anchors your mind to a sim and. So Ohio Health and Columbus had an um, EMS slash simulation conference. It was it was an EMS conference, but they had a lot of they had a whole simulation track, and so they had me do a sim, and you know we just break up into groups, and two people followed me. I went to the farthest one from the room just because that's how I am, and so we ended up having to do a code. Um, I was introduced to the two people I was doing it with, and they were EMT basics, and they were non-practicing EMT basics. So not only is it you know of that skill level, uh, but you know they were non-practicers, and so I had to run the code. Well, the key is I was blindfolded and I was not allowed to touch the mannequin. So it's kind of interesting. I'm one of the kids where when I was younger I played video games and I couldn't sit still. I stood up, and if I wanted to go left, I'd go left, and I want to go right, I go right, and things like that. So, um, I had to actually put my hands behind my back so I wouldn't touch the mannequin. Um, and the entire learning objective was communication. But uh, everybody walking by when we were trying to do this simulation was asking if I was tied up because I looked like I was a prisoner of war of some kind of thing. But that sim really resonated with me because it was all about communication because I'm like, okay, we'll attach the pads, do this, do this. Okay, what do we see on the monitor? Cricket chirps. Oh, wait, they don't know. You know, they, Because their skill level, they don't know. And so I'd say uh, – uh, so I had to find a way of communicating – what they're supposed to see, okay, do you see complete chaos or do you see an organized rhythm, you know, uh, you know, a standard rhythm? Chaos. All right, cool. And then go. But I mean, that sim right there was has made such an impact on me. And I have used that as an example. And it was so good. And really, we didn't use the high fidelity sim part of it. It was all a simulation of communication. Your comments, sir. I think I, had a, you know, I agree with you on a lot of that. And that the 
the fidelity of it has nothing to do with the equipment that's being used, right? It's about how the scenario is written. Um, and then, you know, we were talking about some research a few days ago and trying to make sure that we're tying all this back in. Uh, you know, BMC published an article, you know, I think it was actually earlier this year that basically said high fidelity was not necessarily better than low fidelity when training medical students, which is your world, not mine. Um, so Biomed hey, Central published it and said that although it's high fidelity isn't necessarily better than low fidelity, it does lead to overconfidence because people go in with this bias of thinking because I've got this million dollar machine or because it's so much better designed that I'm going to learn more here than the people that are in the next room. They're going through that low fidelity simulation. Um, and so... You know, I, I, it's a small study. I think there's got to be more that's going to be followed up on that. I think it's hard to take that small group and say, okay, this applies to everyone. But I will post that in the show notes and let people kind of read it and get their own opinions out of it. And I'm hoping that our listeners will actually post comments and maybe post other research because we do want people to uh, interact. So, Dave, like, uh, you know, we're talking about the high fidelity, low fidelity in general in simulation. Um, but when we talk about mannequins, what what things do you think we kind of have to have a high fidelity mannequin for? What things can we do that we maybe can get away without using one? Uh, the biggest key that I was always taught was anything that you're going to do that's a procedure you can't do to a real per, a real person. Um, my former boss, Doctor Tonight, said, you know, um, the uh, judge won't allow me to use it on use any of these things on real people anymore. So we use the mannequins. So such as shocking needle thoracentesis, uh, chest tubes, things like that. Uh, those are the strengths of a high fidelity or you know a mannequin that that does more complicated procedures and things like that. So that's how I was taught. I agree. So in my world, the the thing I like the high fidelity mannequins for more than anything else is the physiological modeling. The fact that they respond to the medications that they're given, um, yes. they respond to interventions. That's difficult to do with a live actor, uh, you know. But on the flip side of that. I, if I have a basically a scenario where I want them to take a decent history or I want them to gather information, I can't do that with a high fidelity simulation. That's got or high fidelity simulator that has to be done with a live actor. Uh, so you know, looking over some of those things, yeah, or stroke-like symptoms, right? Yeah. So assessment, we're trying to see something. For uh, the people that can't see, we're doing a video connection on all of these, and I'm I'm making a stroke <laughs> sign to him when he finally looked up. So when we're talking about assessment or we're talking about history taking, you just can't beat a person. Uh, you know, having a standardized patient, someone that can communicate, communicate back. Um, whereas on the flip side of that, I, I wouldn't hesitate to let one of my clinicians that I work with do a surgical airway on me while wearing a correct training task trainer, right? I have no problem with that, but I'm not going to do the same thing for somebody that's never held a scalpel. And that's exactly mm -hmm. what using a simulator is for. We can train that skill on a mannequin, on a task trainer, et cetera, go through the process, they learn all the movements, and then when I trust them, I, yeah, I have no problem being a patient that tells them, hey, I can't breathe, you're unable to intimate me, et cetera, and then you can cut on me all you, all you want. Um, but definitely not the first time you're holding the scalpel. Yeah, there's some definite delicate uh, areas if they go out of bound. I mean, there's some great printable uh, Craig trainers, and there's some companies that have some great ones out there, but I would be nervous. All right. Well, I mean, we've we've kind of gone over this high fidelity thing. I don't want to kind of keep beating a dead horse and continue on forever. Um, but mm -hmm. before we take off, I do want to ask you, what is what is one of your sim pet peeves? What what pisses you off more than anything else in your sim lab or when we talk about simulation? So it's really funny. Um, in in the Facebook group, I try to ask every weekend. I try to ask one question, and it's just to get everybody talking, interaction, because it drives me crazy that we we go to these conferences and um, that's when we interact with people. And a few of us, you know, like you and I, and a, and a few others that we we throughout the year will contact. But 
there's so many more smart people out there that I want to network with and I want to learn off of and things like that. So I try to ask a question and that was one of my first questions I asked in the simulation tech network. And oh man, I got some great replies. And the reason I mentioned this is my pet peeve seemed really small potatoes. It seemed really kind of whiny compared to some of these really good ones that these, these awesome experienced people, but, but my pet peeve is sound effects. Oh, it drives me crazy. And, and, it cuts through me like a knife. Uh, up there is is my former boss's uh, pet peeve too. Is uh, if you have to call an overhead mic, you know, as far as a um, specialist, it's Doctor Blade, Doctor Knife, Doctor Heart. That also is way up there too. Yours? You know, my my biggest thing, and mine's a little bit more serious. I think as far as uh, you know, rather than you know, I don't know, maybe it's just an annoyance as well. Uh, but for me, I cannot stand the. If this was a real patient, I would have done better, or I mm. never would have done that in the real world. These, mm-hmm. these are, I mean, they're obvious excuses. They're complete <laughs> bullshit, you know, and, and going back Ooh, again, we, <laughs> we are definitely getting the explicit uh, tag. I already Uh-oh. put it on there. Look at that. So, I yeah, mean, that, it's okay. That idea that, Hey, if the, you know, basically what you're telling me at that point is the simulation wasn't good enough for your learning experience. You know, you're basically saying I don't make these mistakes and, and we know better. I mean, we've got data, we have research that says, Clinical performance is the same that we see in simulation, especially in my line of work. I work in paramedics. You work with paramedics and nurses. I work in HIMSS, EMS. And I mean, even as far back as 2013, we were seeing articles that were published, in, you know, pre-hospital emergency care saying, look, pay, you know, our clinicians are reacting the same way on their on their calls, on their flights, et cetera. And we see it in the documentation. It's the same mistakes being made that we see in the laboratory. And so for me, you know, my my biggest request i really more than anything else is you know, take it seriously do your best mm-hmm. and when the moment comes that you haven't you have a bad scenario you have a bad case you have a bad outcome that's okay that's what we're here for mm-hmm. we're here to learn something just acknowledge it and say all right you know I, i'm gonna work on this but take the feedback and don't make a bunch of excuses about oh well the plastic threw me off or mm-hmm. you know i just i can't get my mind in the right place because i'm in this lab i'm not in the helicopter i'm not in an ambulance i'm not in a hospital etc and, and we're never going to break that. It's yeah. also it's a quick fix. It's a quick way to, to hush us up. Well, you know, because, you know, if it were real. And but the other thing is, like you said, it, it happens in real life. And, and I always tell my residents, I'm like, where would you rather have a mistake? Because they'll come out of the sim lab and they'll beat themselves up. We are professionals at telling you what we did wrong and how awful we were, especially, you know, real and out of the sim. And it's it's I always tell them, I'm like, all right, first off, if you were perfect, I would have no job. I really like my job. Second off, uh, where would you rather have a mistake? No paperwork, no M&M conference, no, you know, anything like that. Do your learning. Just take it and learn. So, but, uh, yep, I think this was good. And uh, do you have any closing remarks, sir? No, I mean, I, I think at this point we're just, we're trying to keep them short to the yep. point, get the information out there. I feel like we've accomplished that and uh, we'll just be back in a few days with the next one. All right. Yeah, we're going to try to make these uh, at least once a week. I'm putting our feet to the fire. Um, When you go to IMSH, I'm going to try to get a lot of uh, nice, super smart folk uh, interviewed, and we will layer those in. Um, But uh, we're just uh, learning what we're doing here. We're getting our feet wet, and we're uh, going on with it. So uh, please leave all comments, good, good, bad, negative, whatever you got to say, and uh, hang out with us because there's a lot more to come. Have a great night, folks.